Hello, my friends. This is Joe. Welcome to the Joe Martino Show. Today, we're going to talk about self-love versus other love. Last week, I talked about shame. And to be honest, I didn't get a whole lot of feedback from you. So I don't know how that was taken. I don't know what you thought. To be fair, it was a little bit more of a rant than it was actually a episode, maybe, or more than a, hey, here's a how-to. But today, I want to talk about self-love versus others love maybe we're getting it wrong let's kick it off you're listening to the joe martino show a podcast dealing with all things emotional relational and human nature joe is a licensed counselor in the state of michigan specializing in relationship therapy he is also the author of the book the emotionally secure couple all advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only enjoy the show okay so i'm not trying to I'm not trying to set fires here or anything like that. It's never about that. It's never about, hey, can I be controversial? But there is something that I have found that is a bit controversial as I talk to people about it. And almost everywhere I go, I hear people talking to me and people ask me, eventually it'll come around to, you know, why do you think people are so anxious today? Why do you think people are so uh, scared today? Why do you think people are so troubled by today? And, and sometimes people are like, do you think it's because of the president? Do you think it's because of taxes? Do you think it's because, you know, uh, uh, of climate change? Do you think it's because of fill in the blank? And, and most of the time I say I don't think it's because of, of any of those things. Those may be things that enhance the problem, but more, more than likely they're just symptoms to the problem. And I actually think there's probably a couple things going on. One... We're, we're, we're introducing adults to adult life as though being an adult is bad. We've created the word adulting and we say it as a bad thing. Like people are proud of themselves when they can run a simple budget because they didn't learn that in school. Instead, they had to learn algebra and they didn't learn gardening in school. Instead, they had to learn science because we've lost what families are about. Our families are so busy running around doing things that we forgot to teach people how to live life when you're not doing activities. We avoid life through activities, right? So we run to soccer, right? Just ask anybody, hey, how's it going? Oh man, I'm just so busy, 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 busy. And we confuse busy with meaningful. The problem is we need meaningful in our lives to handle the stress of life. That's, that's one of the problems. Uh, the other problem is by avoiding it, we, learn, we don't learn to deal with it. So like anything that you avoid, it doesn't naturally get better. Let's just say that you're behind on a bill. If, if you don't call them and talk to them and, and work out some sort of payment plan, it gets worse, not better. If you have a sickness and you don't try to treat it, it gets worse, not better. And we do that with anxiety and with life. We tend to teach our kids to just avoid the things that are uncomfortable for them. Either we do it explicitly with our words or we do it implicitly with our actions. And this is an important piece to consider with the, and I'm, you know, air quoting here, the modern epidemic of anxiety. We have to consider, do we teach our children how to deal with anxiety both explicitly, in other words, we actually teach them, words come out of our mouth to teach them, and then implicitly through our actions, what do we teach them when it comes with how we deal with anxiety? Because otherwise we're avoiding through our activities and we're not actually accomplishing anything. 
In many ways, our ability to handle anxiety works just like our ability to handle disease. You have to have some germs in your life to build your immune system. You need even your vaccine shots. And I will wholly freely admit that I skipped every day of medical school and I skipped every day of, of medical research school. But based on how I understand on how it works, based on my reading, even your vaccines, they have a little bit of the whatever it is you're trying to vaccinate yourself against in them. You have to be exposed to it. And what we've done is we've worked really hard to not expose people to distress. We, we say, well, life's hard enough, right? Which is true. But at the same time, we want to help them understand how they navigate it. So I think that's the, one of the, the, the bigger problems that we have with anxiety is we just don't teach people how to handle it. We don't teach people that it's okay. In fact, we teach people that it's bad. In fact, whenever I ask people, is stress bad for you? I invariably get the, yes, it's terrible for you. What's really interesting is more and more research is coming out and saying, nope, hold on, stop for just a second. That may not be true. What may actually be true is that what you believe about the stress is determines whether or not it's good or bad for you. On top of that, we've eliminated failure. Everybody gets to hit. Nobody gets out. Everybody gets an award. Everybody gets a trophy. Even the kids mock that now. And, and, and this is not a rant on millennials because it's not the millennials who did it. It's their parents. It, it's my generation of parenting. And, and when I was younger, I was just starting to coach millennials. That generation of educators, coaches, teachers... We've removed their failure. So how do you get good at something you never have to engage? Do you remember the first time you were driving, everything seemed so fast? And now today, when you were driving, you were on the phone, you were texting, you were listening to the radio, you were putting on your makeup, maybe you were shaving, I don't know. Everything kind of slowed down. Not, it really didn't slow down enough that you could go ahead and do those things, but it did slow down. You have to experience something to get good at handling it. Now, I'm not saying that we ought to beat our kids so that they get experience with, with handling whatever that, I don't even know how that argument would go. But, but we do have to change some of the things. We, we tend to be a people of extremes, and I feel like we've gone a little far on this. And here's why we've done these things, right? So, so we've, we've, we've removed things that help adults be better at handling anxiety. We've removed the idea of delayed gratification. Just do it right in the moment. If it feels good right now, do it. I Look, I do couples therapy for a living. I cannot tell you how many couples won't engage because there's delayed gratification involved with it. There is a delay in the amount of time and the amount of... Uh, there, there's too long of a delay in the amount of time and the amount of space that it'll take for them to be gratified with their decision. There is a delay in them seeing the fruit of what they're doing. And we've removed that. We have told people, all you have today is to live in today. You just have to do your truth. Just live your truth. Well, what does that mean? What if my truth is I can cheat on my wife? But that isn't my wife's truth. Does my truth supersede my promise? Which is the last thing that I think we've talked about, we've, or that I'm going to talk about before I get to the actual topic here. We've removed responsibility. We haven't removed it. We've just taken rights and put them over responsibilities. What we've said is, is your rights supersede your responsibilities. If you made a promise, if you have a responsibility 
and it is somehow impugning your happiness, just forget it. Just give, give it away. Go over it. Skip over it. Don't worry about your responsibility. You have to be happy. You've got to do what's best for you. You've got to be selfish. And let me just tell you, nothing is more destructive than this. Because at best, it's a half-truth. We've lost the frame for how we should approach life. And, and I get that this frame is going to look different for different people. There's going to be cultural variances. There's going to be differences inside even cultures, right? Like America is a culture. The Midwest is a culture. But even in the Midwest, there's different people, even in communities. I live in a small town and there's variances in our cultures in this town of how we approach life. So there will be variance, but we've lost it because what we've done is we've taken self-love and we've interpreted it as happiness. Loving yourself is being happy. I, I want to, there's, there is a phrase that gets used that will just set my pants on fire faster than anything. Well, there's probably a couple of them, but it just sets me on fire. When I hear people say they're a single parent, because they chose to cheat and divorce their spouse and their kids didn't want to live with them and the spouse that they left or maybe their spouse that they left is still paying child support, still helping take care of the kids. You're not a single parent. You are a divorced parent who is co-parenting. And that's a big distinction. But self-love says, well, if I feel that way, then that's what I am. No, you're not. A single parent is fighting to have to do it alone. And I 100% totally readily agree that divorced parents have challenges that married parents don't have. That's not the point. The point is when we preach self-love above all, we lose half the plot because our lives need to be framed in a greater story. One of the rules that I have for my kids, I have five rules. I've gone over them before uh, in passing. But the fifth one is if you want your life to have meaning, it has to be about more than you. It has to be about things that are bigger than just you. And that's where the problem comes in, I think, in modern society, is we have confused self-love with, with, with narcissism. Perhaps not clinical narcissism, but certainly a, a colloquial version of narcissism, where I am the most important person in my life. That's not self-love, that's narcissism. We've taken self-love and we have changed it into something it isn't. And we've created a message that that is above all else. And the problem is if my rights supersede my responsibilities, I've lost out on meaning. I have talked to people. They're like, well, my kids, blah, blah, blah. My kids this, my wife that, my husband that. Yeah, I get it. But most people that I talk to when I say, okay, yeah, but what happens when you lean into that, when you embrace your responsibility over your rights, those are some of the most profound times where people find meaning. It, it started with, with self-esteem. We, we somehow believed falsely that we could just tell kids everything they do matters and we're going to build their self-esteem. That if we never tell them anything negative, we're just going to build their self-esteem. And, and we're failing. We literally have spent the most money, the most education, the most time, the most school assemblies, the most church assemblies, the most house assemblies in our homes, telling our kids, you matter, you matter, you matter. No matter what you do, it's great work. You win all the time. And we have more kids who are cutting, more kids contemplating suicide, more adults 
who are stuck in anxiety loops, more adults who are stuck in depression. We're, we're medicating kids sooner and earlier and younger all the time because we got it wrong. I'm, I'm just going to say it, we got it wrong. We falsely believe that if we don't own the crap in our lives, the things in our lives that make the story go, uh, that we somehow magically give our kids meaning. But we don't. They don't magically feel meaning because we tell them, wow, that thing that you didn't really put all that much effort into matters. It's good. It isn't good because you didn't put the effort in. Or... We, we tell them as they get older, this thing that they keep doing that is, is troublesome, it's okay. That's not who you are. It is who you are right now. It isn't who you have to be, but it is who you are right now. I'm not a big fan of AA for, for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that, that I absolutely love about it is you have to start with, I am an alcoholic. Now, I don't think you have to say I'm an alcoholic the rest of your life. That's one of my beefs with AA. But you have to start there. Because self-love that starts and ends with me is short-sighted. It lacks the frame to give my life meaning. Because we need to have others' love. If you really want your life to be meaningful, invest it in other people. Because then you have both sides of the story. Right now we're investing in other people. And it won't always feel good. Invest in your responsibilities. I cannot tell you how many people blow up their lives because they're in search of happiness. And I've talked about this. Stop chasing happiness. It isn't going to work. You need to chase contentment. And happiness is a byproduct of that. But people misunderstand contentment to mean settling. We're not talking about that. But if you want to develop well-rounded people in your lives, children, if you want to become a well-rounded individual, you have to balance Self-love with others' love. Because self-love, selfishness doesn't create health. There are times my wife chooses to love me simply because she loves me. Not because I did anything for it. Not because I'm having a particularly good day. To be quite frank, this morning has been a storm. If you know what I mean. It's been a poo storm. It's just kind of been one thing after another. And it's not even 1030 yet. And like when she walked in my office, I got to the office first. I was a little, uh, like I didn't do anything. But she chooses to love me because she chooses to. She could say, well, my self-love says that I don't have to love you. Or parents. Self-love should not supersede your, right, your responsibilities to your children. Well, don't I have the right to be happy? It all depends on what you mean by that. I'm just going to be real frank today. It all depends on what you mean by that. Don't I have the right to be happy? I do have the right to be happy. I have the right to pursue happiness until it starts to hurt other people, which is a little bit subjective because this is, right, one of the natural outworkings of us worshiping at this idea of self-love is now anything that you say to me that I find offensive is, is I get to react to that. That hurt me. That's not actually what I'm talking about. I, I, one of the things that I try to help clients differentiate is the difference between hurtful and harmful. If you've ever been in leadership, you know that there are times you have to do things that are hurtful to people. You might have to fire them. You might have to give them a bad performance review. You might have to cut them if you're a coach, if you're a, a, a 
arts director, you might they might not get the position they want, or they might get it, and then you might have to take it away. They might not get the chair that they want in their musical group. And, and those are hurtful things, but they're not harmful. But in a culture that says self-love matters most, that automatically makes you the bad guy. And very few people can say, wait, wait, was this hurtful or was it harmful? Harmful is saying, hey, you don't make the team, and by the way, you suck at life, or you're worthless, or because you didn't make the team, because you don't have this position, I'm firing you. Like, those are things you can't do. Those are harmful. But there's a difference between hurtful and harmful. And here's here's how, because some of you might be thinking, wait, what does the first part of this have to do with this part? Here's how it connects. I actually think that our problem with anxiety today is that we think we've been taught that we're the beginning, the middle, and the end of our story. We're it. There is nothing else. It, there, there's, there's nothing other than how you feel in this moment. And whatever makes you happy in this moment is okay. And the problem is that leads to decisions that are regretful or it leads to a complete avoidance of risk because meaning isn't actually taught. And we only get meaning when we balance self-love and love of others. But then we risk all the things that we've spent most of our life avoiding. We risk failure. We might try to love somebody else and they don't want our love. That hurts. We might risk being kind to someone else and they don't want to love. Or we might risk encouraging someone else and they might get the spot that we wanted and being grateful for them, being thankful for them, being happy for them is hard. There there was someone who once wrote that we should uh, weep with those who weep and celebrate with those who celebrate. That's not an exact quote. Unfortunately, I'm not remembering it exactly right. But, But... that's involving self-love. When it is self-love over others' love, there's, there's no weeping with those who weep because that'll make me feel bad, so I avoid it. But by avoiding it, we miss meaning. There's no delayed gratification because I have to feel good right now, but by avoiding the delayed gratification, we actually lose Meaning, we lose the paradigm, we lose the frame of a greater story that is bigger than us. Failure is an option, and responsibility is now over my rights. And listen, I think we should have good self-care. I make a point of doing things that are good self-care. I get to the gym regularly. Uh, I engage in hobbies that I find uh, to be in, that charge me up. I say no to things that take my energy and don't fit into my life mission. I make sure that my wife and I get away regularly so that we can build into our marriage. I make sure that we have date nights. I make sure that my kids and I spend time together because that's building up that relationship and they can get away from their chaotic lives and build up. I'm trying to teach them self-care both implicitly and explicitly. In other words, I talk to them about, okay, well, what are you doing to, to charge your batteries? But then I also engage in activities that teach them that, right? Implicitly is using the words out of my mouth, or excuse me, explicitly is using the words out of my mouth. Implicitly is the behaviors that I engage in and that I encourage them to engage in. So you should have good self-care, but this isn't an issue of self-care. It's kind of like, you know, there's medicine that you can take that's good for you. Uh, A diabetic should take insulin. A type 1 diabetic has to have some sort of insulin uh, put into their system. But too much insulin will kill you. Too much self-love 
outside the context of what does it mean for me to properly engage my world, to properly engage a story that is greater than me, will kill you. It will create a life that sucks. And then we get stuck. And now we have anxiety and depression because our life sucks and we're just not loving ourselves enough. Going back to the single mom thing that I was talking about, or single dad, I, I've dealt with that. I just, I know three people that they all did that. They all, they weren't clients, so don't worry, I ain't violating HIPAA. They all cheated on their husband. They left their husband. Two of them, the kids went in front of the judge and said, I don't want to live with her. If you make me live with her, I'll run away. And both of them, their Instagram posts are full of hashtag single mom. You're not a single mom. A, dad keeps them more majority of the time. B, he pays you more than he has to so that you can be taken care of so that his kids can be taken care of. For both of them, that's true. I know that's not true of everyone. And I know there are single dads that they don't go engage their kids. I actually had a single dad say this to me. Well, my daughter doesn't reach out to me. Well, she's your daughter. Maybe your responsibility should be you reaching out to her. And his response to me was, well, no, because my self-love says if she doesn't reach out to me, I need to cut her out. That's hogwash. That's absolute hogwash. And the man's miserable. Self-love without proper, proper self-love does not exist without loving others, without investing in others, without engaging others. But it's hard. My daughter, my oldest daughter and I were just both cut from the same cloth. And we talk often about how hard it can be when you reach out to people and it doesn't work. That whatever it is, they don't, they don't, they hurt you. They engage in destructive behavior or it's just draining. It's just absolutely positively draining. That can be extremely hard. Me personally, in fact, my daughter, we're both introverts. Now, I'm not shy. I can talk to anybody. I can be in a group. But if the number, the group number gets a little too big, I tend to shut down. And either way, I walk out of there without energy. If I speak in front of people, which I love doing, I walk out of there wore out because it's a giving of energy. Well, then to, okay, so how do I love others? How do I embrace others? Usually, to be quite frank with you, it's a one-on-one. -on -one. Because if I just love myself, I lose meaning. If you want a meaningful life, you have to love other people. If you want proper self-esteem, you have to engage other people. You have to risk. Well, every time I, I risk, I get hurt. I know. But you've got to frame that in the greater story. I loaned a book to a friend that I didn't get back. And I was kind of bugged by it until one day I stumbled across a book that I borrowed from a friend that I didn't give back. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. When you engage in other people, you engage in the story of humanity. You learn about yourself. And here's what it has to do with all the way at the beginning when people bring up anxiety. One of the things that anxiety does is it either focuses on the future or the past. It either focuses on how people have hurt you in the past, how your life hasn't worked out in the past like you wanted it to, or how it won't work out in the future the way you want it to, or how people will hurt you in the future. But when you spend time loving people, you realize I'm not alone in that. I'm not alone in the fact that people in the past have hurt me. I'm not alone in the fact that people worry about being hurt in the future. And it frames your life in the greater story of humanity. Okay, so what? So what does this have to do with anything? Well, here's the thing. If you're an adult, 
How are you doing loving other people? Like seriously, how are you doing loving other people? And I'm not talking about just the people who are nice to you. How are you doing loving other people? How are you doing engaging other people? What's the priorities in your life? If you have a long series of broken relationships and you're the only common denominator, you have to at least step back and look at that. And I know that can be hurtful, but it's not harmful. So step back and take a look at that. How are you doing? Do you run at the first sign of conflict? Right. One of the things that happens with couples, and I watch it all the time, is they get caught in a fight and they're both arguing their rights. And neither one's giving very much thought to their responsibilities. And, and again, we need to have self-care. I said that a few minutes ago. You need to have good boundaries. You need to have good rules of communication. Which, by the way, if you're looking for them, I have six that I'd be happy to offer you. I did them in an earlier episode. They're in my book. They're on my blog. I, they're all over. The six rules of communication. The acronym is bad fit. Look it up. You should have those, but at the same time, self-love is best grown in love of others. Love of others is best grown out of proper self-love. I'm not arguing one over the other. They have to go together. They have to be merged. So if you're an adult, find some time and ask yourself, how am I doing loving others? How am I doing engaging others wherever they're at? If you have children, how are you doing teaching them to love others? both with your words explicitly and with your actions implicitly. What are you teaching them? What are you teaching them about how you love people you disagree with? If you're a Republican, how do you love Democrats? If you're a Democrat, how do you love Republicans? If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you hate Trump, how do you teach your children how to love people who like him? If you love Trump, how do you teach your, pil- your children to love people who dislike him? We've lost what it means to love other people. We just don't care anymore unless there's a payoff in it for us because we've made self-love the top dog and we've misdefined it. So there's the so what. Just take some time and sit down and ask yourself, how am I doing? And if you're doing well, great. How are you going to maintain it? If you're not doing so well, What's one thing you could do in the next seven days to engage other people, to love other people well? If you have any questions, please write me. Let me know. Go to joemartino.com. Click the Contact Me page. I do want to let you know May 18th, we do have a parenting seminar coming up 9 to 11 here at our offices in Lowell. Uh, We're going to talk about anxiety and trauma in your children, how that works. I'm going to talk about the brain and how the brain works. My wife's going to give you some strategies on how to actually approach behaviors that are troublesome, behaviors that are not helping your child achieve in life. I guarantee you one of them is to not give them a false definition of self-love. If you'd like to keep on top of those things, I would encourage you to follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash Joe Martino Counseling. Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Martino. We are a lot of a lot of great things in the hopper. We're working on our marriage uh, boot camp type thing. We're working on some speaking gigs. A lot of good things coming up this July. I'm going to be talking about how, how to form healthy relationships at a local organization in Belding uh, here in Michigan. Would love to invite you to that as, as those details come up. Uh, If you have any questions, reach out, let me know. You can send me an email, info at joemartino.com. Please put put in the subject line, 
the podcast. That is a multi-user account, so I won't see it if you don't put that in the subject. Thanks so much for listening. I know you could have spent these 30 minutes anywhere, and I appreciate you inviting me into your life a little bit uh, each week. If you found value in this, please share it on your social media. Thanks so much for watching. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. Give us a rating on the iTunes store. And if you have a question for a future show, feel free to send us an email at info at joemartino.com. You can also go to joemartino.com and click on the Contact Me page. Until next time, remember, change possible.